We are in the midst of an all-in challenge. Now, it was interrupted last week for a week, but man, was Shannon amazing, allowing the Holy Spirit to use her and to step in. When I was out sick, praise God, but uh, we're, we're getting back into our all-in challenge. In fact, uh, we are today going to unveil the t-shirt. In fact, I'm going to unveil the t-shirts right now. T-shirts, they celebrate that this is the 50th anniversary of our church, 1972 to 2022, 50 years of Kauai Bible Church. It's our Pentecost, and and so here's what we want to do. We don't want the all-in challenge to just be a, a teaching series that we do for a few weeks and then it stops. We want this to be a culture that becomes a part of who we are as a church, and these shirts are going to be a part of establishing that culture. Because nobody can buy this shirt. This shirt is not for sale. The only way that you can get this shirt is committing yourself to the all-in challenge. And once you make that commitment, you get the shirt. And then here's what we want to do. It's on the first Sunday of every month from here on out, we're going to declare it to be all-in Sunday. And we want everyone to wear their all-in shirts so that we're all together wearing our shirt the first Sunday of every month. And then if somebody doesn't have a shirt, they're going to be like, hey, why don't I have a shirt? And we're going to say, because we've made the all-in commitment. Will you make the all-in commitment with us? And then they do, and they get a shirt, and, and we all kind of move forward together establishing this culture. So the shirts are outside, but they're not for sale. We have our all-in commitment form. And I filled mine out. That's how I got this shirt. All right, so... So the form, basically, you just put your name and your information, and then you can circle your shirt size, and then you're, you're committing to three things. Now, there's three checkboxes, all right? The form is not official unless you check all three, all right? Because we're not one-third in, we're not two-thirds in, we're all in, right? And so the commitment is this, I pledge to be all in, consecrating my time, talent, and treasure to God. So the first checkbox is, I will make attending Sunday service and being engaged in community a priority, right? So we're committing to making Sunday service a priority. Now, I understand sometimes we're off island. We go on vacation. I get that. We're going to miss church. Sometimes we get sick. We're going to miss church. But we're making a commitment that Sunday service is going to be our highest priority on Sunday mornings. We're not going to skip church because somebody invited us to a birthday party. We're not going to skip church because we stayed too late at the birthday party the night before and we're too tired to get up. All right, we're not going to skip church because I just don't feel like getting my kids dressed this morning. All right, whatever the case may be, we're not going to skip church. We're going to make church a priority. Anytime we're able, we're going to be at church. And I understand, obviously, we're in the midst of an Omicron surge, and so some folks are staying away right now, but this pandemic is going to be short-lived, and we're all going to be back at church together. We're making the commitment to be at church and to be engaged in community. The second box is, I will serve in at least one ministry area. 
We're committing to serving the church in ministry. That might be as an usher. That might be in kids' ministry. That might be in church on the beach distributing food. That might be on the worship team. Whatever, whatever your gift is, we're going to help you find your gift and find your place where you belong. I'm going to serve in at least one ministry area. And the third checkbox is I will tithe faithfully. I'm going to give 10% of all of my increase into the storehouse of the church. And then if God asks me to give offerings above that, I'll give offerings above that. But we learned from Pastor GF two weeks ago, you can't give an offering until you give a tithe. Because the first 10% belongs to God. Amen? So you check those three boxes. You sign it, date it. Turn it in to Joy out here at the table, and you can get your shirt today, and we'll keep having these available every Sunday as we invite more and more people to take the all-in challenge with us. All right, we're, we're getting into this. I'm excited about this. So we're going to get back into our all-in challenge teaching series. We are studying the book of Malachi. And, and so today, we're going to look at Malachi chapter 1. So you can find your notes in the bulletin. Uh, you can also find them attached to this video on our website. You can also find them attached to the audio podcast. And along with the notes, if you look at the back of your bulletin, or the second page of the notes, if you find them uh, on the website, you're going to see our preparation for our corporate belong groups, which are meeting this Wednesday night. And can I just give a shout out that this last Wednesday night, we had to go Zoom only because of the pandemic, but we had our best turnout for belong groups that we've had in years. It was awesome. I was so excited. There were so many people on board. It was, it was so life-giving. And so this Wednesday, we'll let you know by Tuesday if we're going to go Zoom only or if we're going to have an in-person option. But this Wednesday, uh, if you weren't able to make it last Wednesday, jump on board with us this Wednesday. It's growing. It's the biggest it's ever been. And, and I was just so excited. So you can uh, find the homework on the back of the bulletin or on the notes so that you can get ready for this Wednesday night and be a part of the corporate belong groups and, and everything that we're doing. All right, let's get into the teaching of the word today. Now, I hope that you know that as your pastor, I love you, I'm for you, I, 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 I am called to give my life to serve you, and I just want you to remember that when we teach a sermon that maybe is a little bit challenging, all right, that I'm teaching it from a place of love, I'm teaching it from a place that I want the best for you. A lot of times when I'm teaching a challenging sermon, it's because God needed to get to me and challenge me, and he's working on me the same time that he's working on you, amen? So here we are today, Malachi chapter 1, here's our big picture point. That is this, committing to attending, serving, and tithing through the all-in challenge is not an issue of time or money. It's an issue of honor. Right? This commitment that, that we're, we're all praying about, this commitment is not about time or about money. It's about honor, specifically how much honor we have for God. Because I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, if I had more time, I would serve more. Well, if I had more money, I would give. And my answer today is no. You've got all the time you need. You've got all the money you need. What we need to make this commitment is honor. And if we'll catch this concept of honor, we'll be willing to make the commitment. God's not going to give you any more time. You got 168 hours in a week. That's it. You don't get any more. The awesome thing is you don't have any less either. We all have the same amount of time. You're not going to get any more time. 
And the beautiful thing about the tithe is it doesn't matter how much money you make because we all give 10%. So some people give 10% of a lot and some people give 10% of a little. But you don't need more money. What we need today is more honor. And that's what we're going to tackle in Malachi chapter 1. Before we get into that, Let's, let's just lay down the, the foundation of the book of Malachi since we're going to spend the next four weeks studying this book. So the first question is, when was Malachi written? And the answer is, we don't know exactly, but uh, based on scholarly research and understanding the Bible, our best estimate is that it was most likely written during the timeline of Nehemiah chapter 13. How do we know that? Well, we know that Malachi was a contemporary of Nehemiah. We know that he lived at the same time. And we know that during most of the book of Nehemiah, the people are serving God faithfully and they're excited about it. Except in chapter 13, when it says that Nehemiah left Jerusalem and went back to the king of Persia for a period of time. We don't know how long that period of time was, whether it was six months, a year, a couple years, we don't know. But what we do know is that during that time that Nehemiah was gone, everything in Jerusalem fell apart. Right? The people stopped worshiping God. They went back to their sinful ways. And it says that Nehemiah, once he got word of it, had to come back and put everything back in order. So chances are that Malachi wrote this challenging prophetic word during this time when Nehemiah was gone and everything was falling apart. This was approximately 430 B.C., right, approximately in that range. Who was Malachi's audience? Who was this book written to? Well, we actually will see it over and over again in our study that it was written to the priesthood. He was writing to the priests, right? And we know that in the Old Testament, the priests were responsible for serving the temple. They were responsible for being the mediaries between God and the people. And, and so you hear this and you're like, oh, wait, the priesthood, those were the religious leaders of Israel. So this book is written to the religious leaders. This was written to you, pastor. You don't got to preach it to us. This book was written to you. Well, no. What do we read in 1 Peter chapter 2? Peter wrote this. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Who is Peter writing to here? The church. He says that the church has now become the holy priesthood. We have a high priest. His name is Jesus. And that we as followers of Jesus are now the priesthood. If you skip down to verse 9, he continues to write, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for God's own possession. So as we read in Malachi that Malachi is writing to the priesthood, we need to recognize that now in the New Testament, we as the church are the priesthood. So this message is to us. This challenge is to us. All right, so we're going to go to Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. And we're going to camp out on this verse for a little bit before we read on because there is so much to unpack from this one verse as, as we wrestle with this idea of going all in. Malachi 1.6 says this. This is God speaking. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master... Where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? All right, let's unpack this. I think there's four foundational issues in this one verse 
that we need to understand as we decide to go all in. Four foundational issues. The first one in your notes is honor. And I think we need to have a good definition of honor so that that we're all on the same page of what we're talking about, right? God said, if I'm your father, where is my honor? Right? And anybody who's raised kids as a mom, a dad, as a grandparent, you've all probably asked that question at some point in your life. Where is my honor? Honor is this. It's the recognition of an individual's worth through acts of submission or admiration. It's the recognition of an individual's worth through acts of submission or admiration. Right? The word honor is kavod in the Hebrew, and the root word in Hebrew actually means heavy. You're like, well, well, how does heavy relate to honor? Well, think of the opposite of the word heavy is the word light. So when we're not honoring somebody, we're taking them too lightly. But when we're honoring them, we're recognizing the heaviness of who they are. We're recognizing their worth and their position in our lives, and we're willing to submit to them or to praise them, and that's our way of honoring them for who they are. And so as we recognize God, right, we got to recognize that honor is obedience, Honor is obedience. Where do we read this? Well, in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, 12, one of the Ten Commandments is, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. One of the commandments is to honor your father and your mother. What is it talking about when it says to honor them? It's talking about obeying them, right? And Paul references this in in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, honor your parents, just like it says in the Ten Commandments. Obey your parents. So honor is obedience. If we're going to honor God, we're going to recognize his worth in our lives, that he is worth tremendously more than anything else in our lives. And by recognizing his worth, we're going to submit to him in obedience, and we're going to praise him and admire him with our mouths. Amen? That's what honor is. Honor is submitting to God in obedience. Pastor G.F. Watkins wrote this in one of his books. He says, you cannot have submission until you first have disagreements. You cannot have submission until you first have disagreements. Right? When God asks you to do something and you agree with it, it's easy to obey. But it's when God asks you to do something and your flesh does not agree. And you're like, no, I don't want to do that. That's when submission comes in. Think about the rich young ruler, right? He came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, follow the commandments. Love your neighbor. Love God. Love yourself. Uh, all of the, he says, follow the commandments. And the rich young ruler says, I've done all of that. Jesus says, okay, there's just one more thing you need to do. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Suddenly there was disagreement, right? The rich young ruler was like, yeah, I get the commandments. I've been following the commandments. I'm in agreement with you on that. And Jesus says, great, now I want you to go and sell everything you have and give it away. And the rich young ruler is like, I don't agree with that. And now it required submission. 
And this rich young ruler did not submit. It says he walked away. God was not valuable enough in his life to be obedient no matter what the cost. Honor is recognizing how valuable God is in our lives and submitting to every difficult thing he asks of us because he's that valuable to us. Amen? That's honor. That's what it's going to take for this all-in challenge. But God doesn't stop there. He says, if I am a father, where is my honor? And he says, if I am a master, where is my respect? That word there in the Hebrew is actually the word fear. Where is my fear? The translators of the New American Standard Bible chose to translate that respect, which could potentially be the right word. But we're going to define this, this idea of respect or this idea of fear as a healthy awe of the holiness and majesty of God. That there is a healthy awe that we stand in awe of who he is. Right? We've got to find a healthy balance on the spectrum. Because on one end of the spectrum, we just have like common courtesy. Right? Like, you know, we respect people enough that we'll shake their hand right? You stand up when somebody enters the room, you know, all those things that are like common courtesy. But God is worth so much more than just common courtesy. On the other end of the spectrum is paralyzing terror, all right? That's not good for us. We don't need to be paralyzed in terror of what God could do to us. But somewhere in the middle of that spectrum is this healthy balance that says, I recognize God's holiness I recognize how amazing he is. I recognize his power. I recognize that outside of his covering, I could be in scary places. And so I have this healthy awe, this healthy fear, this healthy respect. It's not just a common courtesy, and it's not paralyzing terror. But I have a healthy respect for who God is. And because of that, I want to live under his covering which means I want to do life his way. So God says, if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? And then he says to the priests, you have despised my name. You have despised my name. This Hebrew word for despise is the word bazaar. And it means to raise your head loftily and disdainfully. Right? It's like having that snotty attitude like, I'm above you. You're beneath me. You're not worth my time. And so the best word I could come up with to describe that is contempt. And so number three in your notes is contempt. And contempt is the feeling that someone or something is beneath consideration, inferior, worthless. I have raised up my head in a haughty, disdainful manner because obeying God is beneath me. He says, oh, you priests who have despised my name. Now, this is interesting, right? Because, again, if we understand this time period, after the 70 years of captivity, the, the people of Israel were released to return to Jerusalem, and we read 
in Ezra that they rebuilt the temple. There was great joy and great celebration. And it says they reestablished the priesthood. And so they found the Levites and they gathered the Levites back together. And they anointed them again to be the priests of the Lord. To serve in the temple. To serve with the sacrifices. To serve in the worship. To, to do all of these things. What we're reading here in Malachi is approximately 60 to 70 years later. So in a matter of 60 to 70 years, these priests who were so full of joy to be reestablished in serving the Lord and in, in leading people in worship and in doing all of this, now some 60, 70 years later, they were like, ah, we don't care. What value does God add to us? Right? Over the passage of time, they had grown contempt for the Lord. Revelations 2.4, Jesus says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Right? Have we developed a contempt for the Lord? Can we remember back to when we were first established, when we first encountered Jesus, when we experienced his salvation, and we were so full of joy? Man, we just wanted to be in church. We couldn't stop talking about Jesus. We just wanted to tell everybody about him. We just, we'd go to work. We'd go to our family. We'd be like, man, Jesus has changed my life. This is amazing. And then 5, 10, 15, 20 Maybe for some of us, 60, 70 years later, over time, we lose that passion and we develop a contempt and we don't give God the value that he deserves. And then finally, at the end of verse 6 here, the priests actually respond to God by saying, how have we despised your name? Like they totally don't get it. What do you mean? We're here. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And so the fourth concept in your notes is this. It's responsibility. And responsibility means being accountable and making changes when we are wrong. The priesthood was being challenged by God, and they were not willing to accept responsibility for the fact that they had lost their honor, they had lost their respect, and instead they had contempt for the Lord. And when challenged with it, they didn't take the responsibility to make the changes. I want us, Kauai Bible Church, to take the responsibility to make the changes. As we consider this all in challenge and we say, have I honored God enough? Have I respected him enough? Am I ready to go all in with him? I'm going to take responsibility for where I've fallen short so that I can make the changes to go all in with the Lord. Dr. Ed Cole said this, maturity doesn't come with age so much as with the acceptance of responsibility. We're not mature because we got old. We're mature when we're willing to accept responsibility. So let's continue on now in Malachi chapter 1. What happens after verse 6, after these four concepts are introduced? Starting in verse 7. You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? But now, will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such an offering on your part? Will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? 
Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name. And a grain offering that is pure, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you are profaning it, in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled. And as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, my, how tiresome it is, and you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick, so you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. So what is God saying about giving here? Let me just give you some thoughts that are in your notes. What is God saying about giving as he's challenging this priesthood that is refusing to take responsibility? The first one is this. Give God more honor than the government. Give God more honor than the government. What does God say in verse 8? He says, why don't you try making this same kind of offering to your governor and see how well he receives it. See if he gives you praise for it. Now it's interesting. The word governor that Malachi uses here is not the Hebrew word for governor. It's actually the Persian word for governor. So Malachi is making it tremendously clear. When he says governor, he's not referring to Nehemiah. He's not referring to a godly governor who might be gracious to you. He's saying, no, how about the governors of the Persians? How about the governors of this ungodly worldly empire that still has control over us? Why don't you try to make this type of offering to the governor and see how he receives it? Right? Think about that. Let's put this in our context with our governor here in Hawaii. Right? In Hawaii, the highest wage earners... Their state income tax is 11%, right? And then it goes down a little bit for each kind of wage level. So let's just say that you're the highest wage earner category. And so your state taxes here in Hawaii are 11%. And so what if you decide to say, you know what, governor? I think you're asking too much with 11%. I'll give you five. I'll give you 5%. How do you think our governor is going to respond to that? Not very kindly. The governor's going to say, no, you still owe 11%. And if you don't pay 11%, we're going to fine you. And if you still refuse to pay it, we're going to garnish your wages and force you to pay it anyway. And then if you still refuse to pay it, we'll just put you in jail. Right? That's how the governor is going to respond. And so we wouldn't try pulling that with the governor. Why? Because we have enough honor and respect for the power and the authority of our governments, that we know that bad things are going to happen if we refuse to give the proper taxes. So what is God saying? He's saying, give me more honor than the government. If you recognize and honor and respect the government enough that you're not going to cheat on your taxes, then God says, don't cheat me on the tithe. Give me more honor than you would give the government. And I'm going to challenge you with this. Tithe off your gross increase, not your net increase. Let 
You say, well, what do you mean? Well, your growth increase is your full paycheck. Your net increase is what you actually bring home after the government takes the taxes out of it. So if you're tithing off of your net, then what you're saying is, is I give to the government first, and then I'm going to tithe to God off of what's left over. But if we're going to honor God more than the government, then we should tithe to God first off the gross. Then we pay our taxes to the governments. You guys following me? God says, give me more honor than you give the government. God says, if I'm asking for 10%, give me 10%. The second thing is this. Giving less than what is expected is wrong. Giving less than what is expected is wrong. What was expected of the sacrifices that were being offered in the Old Testament? It was expected that they were to be sheeps and goats and cattle, whatever type of animal they were offering. It was expected that it was an animal without blemish. It was a perfectly healthy animal and there was nothing wrong with it. But what were they offering instead? They were offering the blind ones, the lame ones. They were giving less than what was expected. And God says, if you're giving a blind animal, is that not evil? If you're giving a lame animal, is that not evil? And then he goes on to say, that, do you expect that I will receive this offering from your hand? Right? Giving less than what is expected, God says, is wrong. What is expected? The tithe, 10% of all of our increase, has always been the standard. And I know this is the part where people like to say, well, that's just the law, and we're not under the law anymore. Well, I would counter with Genesis chapter 14. What do we read in Genesis chapter 14? Well, it's the first mention of the tithe, and it's a critical principle when we study the Bible, is to always study the first mention. The first mention of the tithe is Abraham went to war with a bunch of nations, won the war, and gathered a bunch of spoil from that war. On his way back from gathering the spoil, he runs into this high priest named Melchizedek. And it's interesting because Melchizedek was never mentioned before this. He's never mentioned after this. We don't know anything about his story. We don't know where he came from. We don't know how Abraham even ran into him. All of a sudden, he's just there. And what does the Bible say that Abraham did when he ran into Melchizedek? It says he gave him the tithe of all of his spoils. Well, why is that significant? Because we know from studying the book of Hebrews that Melchizedek was a type and a representation of Jesus, our high priest. So what do we have in Genesis chapter 14? We have Abraham tithing to Jesus before the law ever existed. So don't tell me that the tithe is under the law. Yes, the tithe is a part of the Mosaic law. But what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? He said, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Jesus didn't come to do away with all of God's standards. He came to fulfill all of God's standards. What does that mean? That means that we no longer relate to God through the law. We're no longer made righteous through the law. We're made righteous through Jesus. We relate to God through Jesus. So all of the purity aspects of the law, all of those things are fulfilled. We don't have to do those things anymore. That's why we don't sacrifice goats anymore. 
We're not sacrificing cows at church anymore. But Jesus says, I didn't abolish the law. I fulfilled it. God's standard still applies, right? The Ten Commandments still apply. We're not supposed to murder or commit adultery. We're supposed to recognize the Sabbath, right? It still applies. Romans 3.31, Paul wrote this, Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law through our faith. Right? We recognize God's standard, and we live by God's standard. Right? So the standard is 10% of all of our increase. Don't tell me it's under the law. It's a part of our relationship with God. It's a part of our honor and our obedience to him. All right, it's incredibly quiet in here, so I'm just going to assume that you're thinking amen. Hallelujah. Next one, don't give God your leftovers. Don't give God your leftovers. Right? In verse 13, it says, you say how tiresome it is. You disdainfully sniff at it, and you bring what was taken by robbery or what is lame or sick, and you bring that as an offering. In verse 14, he says, Cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but instead brings a blemished animal to the Lord. God is saying, don't bring your leftovers. Don't bring your leftovers. Don't bring me an offering that's not worthy of who I am. So how do we respond to this? We give on purpose, right? We aren't God tippers, right? God tippers. If you imagine you go to a restaurant, your server does a great job, takes really good care of you, always refills your drink, brings you everything you ask for, has a great attitude, and you're like, you know what? You've done a great job. Not only am I going to give you the regular tip, I'm going to throw an extra 20 bucks in there because you've done a great job today. And some of us, that's how we give to God. We're God tippers. We're like, you know what? That was a great song service today. I was really uplifting. You know what? Here's 20 bucks, God. That's just, right? We're God tippers. Or we might be what I call pay-per-view givers. Pay-per-view givers, right? You're going to watch the UFC fights on pay-per-view. You only pay for it when you watch it. You don't have to pay for it otherwise. So what does that mean? Well, that means I give to God when I'm at church because I'm here. And and so, yeah, they pass the offering basket. I'm going to give a few bucks because I'm at church. But otherwise, I don't think about it. No, we've got to be intentional about giving. Not just when we're at church and we're reminded about it, but we're being intentional about it. What does that mean? Give your tithe first whenever you get paid. Give your tithes first Not after you pay your bills. Not after you go grocery shopping. Give your tithe first. I get my paychecks on the 1st and the 16th of the month. And so in push pay, it's got a feature where you can just schedule your tithe to go out on the 1st and the 15th of the month. So that's what I do. I just went on the push pay. I scheduled recurring giving. And my tithe goes out on the 1st and the 15th of every month. So I know that every time I get paid... The tithe is the first thing that goes. Because I'm not going to give God my leftovers. I'm not going to pay all the bills, and then maybe if there's something left, I'll throw God a tip. No. I'm going to be intentional about giving to God first, not giving him my leftovers. 
And finally, when we go all in and give God the honor and respect he deserves, we're a part of making his name great among the nations. Verse 11, God says, my name will be great among the nations. And so we tell people, man, God is great. God is awesome. Well, I mean, he's not great enough for me to give a dime off of every dollar, but he's, right? Man, God is amazing. He changed my life. I mean, not amazing enough that I'm going to get up early every Sunday. I mean, he's not that, right? Or are we going to go all in? God says one way or another, my name is going to be great among the nations. The question is just whether we're going to be a part of it. We're going to be a part of it. Let me have the worship team come back up today. God says, where is my honor? Where is my honor? And so again, this is not a money issue. This is an honor issue. Do we honor and respect God enough to give a dime off of every dollar that he has blessed us with? Do we ascribe him enough worth in our lives? Where is my honor? Remember, it's not an issue of time. It's a question of do we honor and respect God enough to be in church as often as possible? It's not a question of whether we're gifted or not. Every one of us is gifted in the Holy Spirit. It's a question of do we honor and respect God enough to give ourselves to serve in ministry for his kingdom? So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to worship the Lord. And in the midst of our worship, we're going to give of our tithes and our offerings unto the Lord. And then after service and after the video announcements and everything, as you head out today, if you're ready, these commitment forms will be with joy at the welcome table. And we want everyone to fill it out. So husband and wife, each fill out your own. Kids, fill them out. We got kid sizes of the shirts. So your kids can fill them out and make this commitment. Whether they're teenagers or whether they're 10 or 5, it's up to you as parents when, if you think they're old enough to make this commitment. Everybody in the family fills out their own card. And if you're ready today, you can make this commitment. Grab your shirt and be ready to wear your shirt on the first Sunday of February as we create this all-in culture. Will you stand with me? Jesus, thank you for the word. Thank you as it has challenged us today. God, let our hearts be soft to receive this word. Let our hearts be good soil that the word would take hold and take roots and produce fruit, a wonderful harvest in our lives. Thank you for that, Jesus. I pray that you would call each of us to a new level in the way that we attend, in the way that we serve, and in the way that we tithe, God. Jesus, Jesus. God, would you just reveal yourself to us? That even in this moment, as we go to worship you, as we go to lift up praise to you, that, God, we would just have a fresh revelation of how great you are, a fresh revelation of your holiness and your power, a fresh revelation of your goodness and your love. Oh, Jesus, give us a fresh revelation. Ah, oh, that we would give you so much honor, that we would have such a healthy respect. Oh, that we would see how valuable you are. Lord, where we have left our first love, would you call us back? Would you call us back? 
where we have given less than what's expected, would you call us to the standard, Lord? Would you cause us to fall in love with you all over again? Be passionate about you all over again. Jesus, Jesus, by your grace, God, empower us to be all that you have called us to be. Speak to us about making this challenge, Lord. We make it, Lord, not under the compulsion of man, but by the guidance and leading of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us about this, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song together.